0: warning the savage nation contains adult language adult content psychological nudity listener discretion is advised and now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times bestselling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just three ninety nine. That's it three ninety nine a month. You'll get not only my ad free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm gonna give you the list in a minute of what you've what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join, all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Premium. Now you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's Glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on Michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best selling novel Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who is at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, We replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash savagepremium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. A new low point in the American presidency, which was reached over the weekend, where the president gives demagoguery a brand new meaning. You would think that this man, after all these years, would have understood that he's dividing the nation, not uniting the nation. But he didn't, nor does he care, because he's doing just what he wants to do, which is to divide black against white, white against black, gay against straight, straight against gay, Asian against Hispanic, Hispanic against black. That's what this man is spending every waking moment thinking about how to do. Now, I could rail against the speech he gave, and I can refute virtually point by point what this demagoguery uh, was about, and I will do so. I will do so because it's required to do so. It's my job. The speech was very familiar. I had heard speeches like this, and I've read of speeches like this in literature, the literature of the Soviet Union, the literature of Animal Farm written by George Orwell. It's classic Soviet propaganda enacted on the backs of African Americans. This is the truth. You have to understand what I'm saying to you. And he's not the only one to engage in this over the weekend, but we'll play many of these speeches and I'll, well, I'll explain to you why they agitate me. Now, I didn't listen to the speeches, just as the great president didn't listen to Netanyahu's address last Monday, so we're told, but he, he read the transcript. Well, I didn't listen to this speech, but I have the transcript and I have the speech for you to listen to. And before we get into this new low point in the American presidency, this new range of demagoguery, I want to tell you something that's very important. Many of you have listened to Michael Savage for 20 years, know that this show is not a straight-line show, know that it's not straightly one way or the other, that I use intuition. I use other parts of my being in my show, ranging from mere storytelling to dreams and such like that. Well, I had two of the most profound dreams of my life last night, and I don't know if they're related to Obama's new low and demagoguery, but I'm going to tell you about them. The first one I will call the white owl. I was on a trail, you see, in the woods with my son and another person, because I used to walk him in the woods a lot when he was a kid. And as I walk now in the woods of my later years, I came upon a woman who I thought was walking a dog on a very long leash. It was like a 30-foot lead. And I stopped for a moment because I didn't recognize the breed. And as the breed turned, I saw it was a white owl with one eye, and one eye hollowed out. And I said to the woman, do you often go to this place in the woods? She said, yes, we will know each other. The next scene was of Michael Savage lecturing in a small seminar room somewhere in a private facility on the meaning of rain and then I gave a seminar to another small group on hunger and I said most of you understand by now that you could eat the most expensive meal in New York City the most expensive meal in Los Angeles and not enjoy one bite of your meal because you're hungry and I said I'm going to teach you today how to truly be hungry which is to experience hunger so you can taste your food again. Now comes the most important part of the dream. The next dream was of a black woman in a black van. It was an older van. She was a middle-aged, heavyset woman. And around her were a group of black teenagers, and she was speaking to them quietly. And here's what this black woman said in my dream, this white man's dream. Here's what this black woman said. She said, America is a deep country, and you must find forgiveness in yourselves. In order to find the deepness in this nation. Let me repeat it for you because it's what I had prayed to God the first black president would be teaching America. But he's not teaching forgiveness. He's teaching division. He's teaching hatred. He's teaching envy. He's teaching the antithesis of his alleged Christian beliefs. You know, we hear all the time he's not a Muslim, he's a Christian doesn't matter what his religion is. He's not practicing either one. He is not practicing either religion. He is practicing the religion of a demagogue. The black woman in the black van, speaking to the black teens in my dream, said to these teens, America is a deep nation. You must find forgiveness in yourselves to find the deepness of this great nation. She was a healer. The show is called The White Owl. The show is about forgiveness. And Obama's inability to offer forgiveness not for wrongs he's experienced by the way he was a spoiled white kid with a black father then he decided to become a downtrodden black man who he himself had experienced racism when he never did see he grew up in Honolulu which is a multi-ethnic place where there's almost no racial discrimination except against whites perhaps And he had no experiences of racism, and yet he wraps himself in all the rhetoric of those who did. And I said to you, I saw the white owl. But if you'd like to hear something even more strange, just join me in this thought for one minute. I'm telling you these dreams are real. I'm telling you I had these dreams. I'm sharing these dreams with you for a reason. Because my soul spirit came to me in my dream last night. Those of you who are intuitive, those of you who are artists, those of you who deal in other dimensions, those of you who know that there's another dimension other than the two dimensional world in which we live and the two dimensional world in which we talk about all day long, which is the world of politics, which is really a one dimensional world of cardboard men and women. There's another world or many worlds. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And I'm reaching across these worlds to you, my listener, to try to understand that the only thing that can save this nation, the only thing that can save this nation is spiritual. We have a void of spirituality in this nation that is not only hollowing us out, but destroying us entirely from top to bottom. And only by reaching within ourselves for our own spiritual center, whatever your religion may be or whatever your spiritual orientation, orientation may be, Only by reaching into that realm or to that realm of yourself can you survive in this void created by Barack Obama, perhaps the most evil man to have ever invaded the White House. And I will use that word again. He is evil through and through because he knows better. He's a very, very bright man. In fact, he's a genius. He's a genius at dividing people. He's a genius at dismantling the greatest nation the world has ever seen. He's a genius at not tackling the worst barbarians to hit the planet since Genghis Khan, and getting away with saying he's at war. He's a genius at dismantling our military. He's a genius at dismantling our economy by keeping interest rates at zero so the government can borrow without, let us say, increasing the debt beyond the comprehensible increase in debt. You see, if interest rates were even 2%, the debt would be skyrocketing to a point where it would be, wow, look what he's doing. But by having grandma yelling keep the interest rates at zero he can borrow trillions to keep the government afloat and then the interest rate is sort of maintained at only about two trillion dollars or whatever it may be god knows what the man is doing to us you'll soon need a wheelbarrow filled with paper currency to buy a loaf of bread if this is not stopped but i want to go back to the dream because if you think that that was enough it all happened within a a, a short period of time, the dreams occurred at dawn. I woke up and my body was filled with, what do you call that? Um, when your, your skin gets, you know, when you get like freaked out, I, goosebumps, goosebumps, because I rarely get them. My body was from head to toe, goosebumpy. I tried to go back to sleep but I said, it's time to get up. You've got to write down the white owl. You've got to write. Your show today. You've got to talk about the black woman speaking on forgiveness and how Obama has no forgiveness in his soul. Not a scintilla of forgiveness. In fact, if you analyze, if you analyze what's wrong with this man and his presidency, it's exactly what Michael Savage has just diagnosed. The man doesn't have a scintilla of forgiveness in his soul. Look who he surrounds himself with. One of the most hateful people in the history of America. Al Sharpton. A man who's built his entire, his entire uh, let us say, edifice on, on hatred and division, and, and lies, by the way. Look who he surrounds himself with. Are any of these people capable of forgiveness? Do any of these people espouse any of the values of Christianity which they claim to uh, uh, practice? I haven't seen the forgiveness of you. You would think that hundreds of years after slavery, hundreds of years after slavery, after the great society after affirmative action, after trillions of dollars in welfare, after the first black president, the first black attorney general, and black folks running so much of this government, there would be forgiveness. But there is no forgiveness. There is only enmity. And so I say to you, the only hope for America is forgiveness. Maybe I have to have forgiveness in my heart for this demagogue who is destroying this nation that my grandfather first came to over 100 years ago destroying this nation for all immigrants forever. Because let me tell you something. When he gets through with it, the landscape will be pocked with with craters. It will be pocked with craters that he created with the verbal bombs he has been throwing. Let me tell you what happened to me an hour before the show. Again, here's what happened. I went into the restroom in my house where I have a home studio. I was going into the restroom, and I heard flapping going on, banging in the bathroom. I said, oh, God, I hope to God it's not what I think. And a bird had come in the very small window. I have a very tiny window in it. And a bird had come in. And she was banging herself against the glass and the walls and the mirror. There's one wall that's all mirror. The poor thing couldn't get out. And I said, oh, God, what am I going to do? First I thought of getting a net. I said, that's not going to work. And she was smashing herself in into the shower stall against the wall, against the mirror. What I did was is I opened the window as widely as I could. And like some fictional character in a cartoon, I talked to her. And I said, sweetheart, come here. I said, come here. Go out. Go to your friends. As God is my witness, she flew out of the little window, and her friends chirp, chirp, chirp as she rejoined them outside the house. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Look at our history. We are Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea, pioneers who who braved the unfamiliar, followed by a stampede of farmers and miners and entrepreneurs and hucksters. That's our spirit. That's who we are. We're Sojourner Truth and Fannie Lou Hamer, women who could do as much as any man and then some. And we're Susan B. Anthony, who shook the system until the law reflected that truth. That is our character. So he goes into the preacher mode. To a largely black crowd. And by the way, the New York Times in this march over the bridge in Selma uh, deleted or airbrushed out uh, the Bushes at the uh, celebration. The Stalinist uh, newspaper of record, the New York Times, omitted them from the picture on the bridge. Instead, they showed that street vermin, Al Sharpton. If you can believe we've come to this point in American history, that a president would not only s- use such an event to stimulate anger, Hatred, jealousy, vengeance, revenge, instead of bringing people together, instead of thanking America for how far we've come, saying that um, things are still no good, taking us d- into the darkness of the woods from the nation where the nation had already been and had uh, walked out of. We walked out of the darkness of the wood in which he drew us back into. Do you often go to this place in the woods, I asked the woman with the white owl? And she said, yes, we will know each other. And then I saw the black woman in the dream, in a black van, a middle-aged woman who was talking to black teens who had come around her truck. She represented the wisdom of, of, uh, of her time. And this woman said America is a deep country, and she said it with respect. And you must find forgiveness in yourselves, she said to the teenagers, to find the deepness of this great nation. And the boys in my dream had bandanas on, and they could have gone either way. They could have gone on to become gangbangers and troublemakers and cop killers. Or they could have taken off their hood outfits and joined our great society and contributed to it. And take a look at what Obama does with that nasty piece of work, Eric Holder. That nasty piece of work, Eric Holder, who has tried to crucify white policemen for not having gotten killed. That's what he's saying to them. Not enough of you have died. See, if more of you had died in interactions with thugs of any race, why then, there'd be no charges against you. But that's what we have today, and we all know it. A new low point was reached in the American presidency over the weekend with his demagoguery. It gives a new meaning to the word demagogue. And we're talking about my attempts at forgiveness, because unless we the people learn to forgive this man for his insanities, and his divisiveness, he'll, bring, he'll drag us all down into his world, and we can't allow him to take us there. He'll leave the nation with bomb craters in the hearts of all men, is what he will do. He is the divider-in-chief, and it's because of one thing. It came to me in the dream. I figured out why Obama is so hateful. It's because he lacks forgiveness, and he seethes in resentment. He is not a practicing Christian. He may think he's a Christian. I don't care what he is. But he's not practicing Christianity, which is why there is a controversy about what his religion is and why he continuously expresses resentment. In the speech marking the 50th anniversary of the Selma March this weekend, a major event in the civil rights movement which ended official segregation in America and the beginning of bringing the races together in this country, what President Obama did on this occasion, was he used it to divide America. His narcissism, his angry personality, helped him deliver a speech with the authority of someone deeply familiar with his subject, and yet he lacked the basic context context and facts of a man who had more substance than style would have delivered. In the prepared speech written by his sorority, he said, we're the slaves who built the White House in the economy of the South. Now, you can dismiss this as setting the tone for how far um, uh, African Americans have come in this nation because of the ideas expressed in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. But we know this president and his record of past statements, and we know what he really meant. He was telling the world that this country was built on the backs of slaves and that we owe black people a debt. Now, there are facts about having uh, built the White House. And you know what those facts are, don't you? The manual labor provided by the slaves was horrible. And they were not doing it voluntarily. And they were not being compensated for it. And we're not trying to say that they were But Obama omits to say that there was an architect, there were engineers, there was management, there was capital investment for the raw materials that also went into building the White House. This is the same lie that leftists have been spewing since Karl Marx claimed that laborers provide all of the value of production. We respect laborers, bricklayers, carpenters, electricians, plumbers for doing good, honest work without which there would be no construction, no building. But Obama and the leftists talk as if the building would exist without capitalists, whose labor in the past produced the savings needed to invest in the raw materials to pay the bricklayers and the carpenters, along with architects, engineers, and management, without whom the building also would not exist. You understand that? If the left wing is correct and we don't need capitalism, then ask yourself, why don't carpenters and bricklayers, or factory workers for that matter, just go to work and build a building without the capitalist? Or work in the factory without the factory organizer or manager? Or why don't they do what the capitalist has done himself, instead of working for the capitalist? And so you see there's half-truths here. And the half-truths are very dangerous. They're more dangerous than a lie. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? In the book, Brick by Brick, by Charles R. Smith, he writes that some of those skilled slaves earned extra money for their work and eventually were able to use the extra income to buy their own freedom. And these slaves worked alongside free blacks and also whites to construct the building. This is not to dismiss or excuse the horrible practice of slavery, which is the worst thing you can do to a human being. And by the way, it's going on right now in the Middle East and in Africa. Slavery is going on right now, not in America, Mr. Uh, Mr. Obama, but ISIS is conducting slavery of Christians and of Azidis. African Muslims are enslaving African Christians, Mr. Obama. We suggest you direct your attention to that instead of the past here in America. But why does the president continue to talk about slavery in America? because he believes that America can never be forgiven. But in the Muslim countries that he loves, he seems to be able to forgive the Egyptians for having used slaves to build the pyramids, who were Jewish. Or the slaves who lived in terrible conditions, some having their hands cut off, those who built the Taj Mahal in India. Or Aztec slaves who were captured just for human sacrifice by other Mayans. Or Native American slaves captured by other tribes, as spoils of battle, Mr. Obama. Or slaves taken by the conquering Mongols all across China and Europe. Or slaves taken by Vikings or the conquering Muslim hordes prior to the retaliatory crusades. Or African slavery as it is being practiced right now, Mr. Obama. Or the slavery and youth rap culture that ISIS is practicing across the Middle East as you spoke, Mr. Obama. Yes? There was actual slavery in America, and slaves did work on many of our buildings and in our economy alongside freed blacks and poor whites. But the difference between that and everything mentioned above is that documents were written for the posterity of those slaves to pave the way for a future freedom, one in which 750,000 Americans died to secure, and many thousands more worked tirelessly, endangering their lives so that that practice of slavery might end. Well, we know these truths. We know what was dreadfully wrong, but we know what was sacrificed to correct it. And on a day celebrating a march that led to equality for all under the law, our president could have chosen to unite all of us. Yet he did what he always does, attempt to divide and conquer, hoping to use hatred to further his radical leftist agenda.